Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Expectation Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that you will be blessed, encouraged, and inspired by this message. And so this morning, yeah, if you've been here before, you will know that we are doing a series on gates. A series on gates. It'll come up here, decisions and destiny, what lies beyond the gate. And if this is your first time here, that's perfect because you don't need to know anything of what came before. But we are coming to the very end, our final week. And I'm just going to speak for, I know it's a bit of a shorter sermon today, 15, 20 minutes about gates. And you will have learned over the last few weeks that gates in the Bible represent something significant. They represent access to and from something spiritual. And so we have learned over the last four weeks so many different things. But today I want to speak to you about arguably the most important gate in your life. The most important gate in your life as we come to a close on this series. This gate is really significant and whether you know it or not or like it or not, you are the person who allows things in and out of this gate and only you. No one else lets lets things in and out of this gate. You own this gate. The Bible actually says that what you let in and out of this gate determines whether you will spiritually live or spiritually die. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about this gate, the most crucial gate for you and for I this morning. And it's the gate of your heart. The gate of your heart. And I'm going to speak this morning, my base verse is Proverbs 4, verse 23. And it says this, above all else, guard your heart. Guard the gate of your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. And so if you have your phone this morning, maybe you have a notebook, I want you to take this down. The title of this message this morning is Guard the Gate. Guard the Gate. You know, this, we've, a lot of us maybe have heard this, oh God, guard your heart, guard your heart, like make sure, you know, don't let in this, don't let in that, that. But what that word guard, that word actually comes from in the original is a word from way, way back in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, the people of God had been delivered from Egypt, yeah? They'd come out of slavery and they were now wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And in that time, God still needed a place to meet with his people. And so God said to Moses, who was leading the people, he said, hey, I want you to set up a tent, a place where I can meet with my people. And way back then in Exodus, in the, in the Old Testament, Moses set up this tent and a gatekeeper, a guard, was put in front of this tent. And then as we go on, we get to David and then we get to Solomon. And Solomon wanted to build an incredible, beautiful, rich, magnificent temple, like a permanent temple for God. And so when it gets to Solomon, there was over 150 gatekeepers situated at every single gate of the temple. There were so many different gates that every single one had to be there 24-7. It was not a glamorous job, but it was a job that was needed. And you know, as we come into the New Testament and Jesus has come down, and as I said, he's shed his blood, we no longer have have physical temples where we meet with God. What it says in Corinthians is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So no longer do we put people in physical gates, and this is just a cinema, it's a room, but it's me and you, it's our hearts that has the gate. Because your heart and your body and you as a being, you are a temple for God. And my heart is a temple for God. And this is my first point this morning. You are responsible for guarding your gate. Very simple. 
You are responsible for guarding your gate. You see, in the Old Testament, there was two roles of a gatekeeper. The first role of a gatekeeper outside that physical temple was this. They had to protect the treasure that was already inside. They had to protect the treasure that was already inside. For me and you today, in your heart, your role is to protect the treasure that God has already deposited in your heart. Can I tell you this? Whether you know it or not, there's treasures that God has put into you. He has spoken promises over your life. He has said things about your life and about who you are in him that are treasures that are to be protected. And you know what happens in life is we face situations and trials and disappointments and things that happen to us, broken relationships, whatever it is. And the treasure that's in our heart, we stop protecting it as carefully as we used to. We're the gatekeepers, but we start to say things like, oh, do you know what? Maybe God doesn't have that for me. Or maybe that promise that God said was not actually for me. Or maybe that treasure that I felt that God had really called me to do this or had promised me this, that maybe that's not for me. And what slowly happens is the enemy gets in and he robs and he robs and he robs the treasure that God has put in you. Your first role this morning in guarding your gate is to protect the treasure, to protect what God has deposited in your life. The second role of an Old Testament gatekeeper was this. He or she had to defend against anything unclean entering. Had to not only protect what was already there, but to defend against anything unclean entering. That was an unclean person. That was an unclean animal. That was an item that was not purified. Why? Why was it important that the place where God dwelt was kept from unclean things? Because the place that God dwells has to be a place of purity. The heart that God longs to dwell in needs to be a heart that is full of purity. That is not full of unclean things. And this is difficult. Because as I said, so many times we go through life and situations and trials and just life and the monotony sometimes of life get in the way. And we forget to defend against things that get in. I know there's been times in my life where I face disappointment. And, you know, you get disappointed, the situation happens and you move on. And I remember specifically there was a time a few years ago where I'd encountered a bit of disappointment in something that myself and Phil were doing. And over weeks and weeks and months and months, I realized that there was something just a bit not right in my own heart. Do you ever feel like that? And I noticed like a little bit of, what's the word? <laughs> Bitterness, maybe, getting into my heart. I noticed when I'd speak about a certain person that maybe my words wouldn't be fully the way that, you know, speaking well, speaking positive. And I realized over time, like, I've allowed this situation that sought to come against the gate of my heart, I've actually opened the door to it. And I haven't defended and fought against the disappointment seeking to get into my heart because this is what happens. Life happens. Disappointment happens. There will always be something at the gate that is happening outside the gate. But as the gatekeeper, I determine whether I allow it into my heart. See, things can happen to me, but I decide if it gets into my heart. And this morning, can I say to you that your role as someone who knows God, or maybe you don't know God this morning, that your heart is a really valuable place. That God has put things in your heart that are to be protected, and on the other hand, to be on the offensive, to be defending against things that would seek to come against your heart. 
You know, I want to speak to you about a character today very quickly. And his name is David. You might have heard of him before. And this man, David, didn't defend, didn't protect the gate of his heart. And I'm going to read you out a story. I'm going to go through the whole story. It's an interesting story. You might know it already. It's in 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 16. I'm going to read through it. It says this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, that was the head of his army, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Notice, David, the warrior chief, he didn't go out to battle. He wasn't guarding the gate that he was assigned to. He was away from the gate. He was back in the the king's palace enjoying the fineries. And he sent the army out. And then what happened? But David remained in Jerusalem, not guarding the gate. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The men said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. The Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab saying, send me Uriah, that's the husband, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David said, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah didn't go home to sleep. He slept at the entrance to the palace. You see, Uriah was guarding his gate. Uriah knew where he should be. He knew, I'm not going home to my wife to enjoy a nice evening. I'm, I'm, at, the, I'm at the palace with the other men. All his master's servants, and he did not go down to his house. Then David was told, hey, Uriah, he didn't go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, this is what Uriah said. The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents and my commander Joab and the Lord's men are camped in an open country. I mean, they're protecting their gate. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife as surely as you live? I will not do such a thing. This man knew what it meant to guard his gate, to be responsible for his gate. David, on the other hand, he wasn't at his gate. Look what happens. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and he sent it with Uriah back to, the, back to the army camp. In it he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and he will die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. Where the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell and Uriah the Hittite died. Uriah the Hittite died. What happens after this is Bathsheba gives birth to this child that is really, really unwell. And so sadly, the child ends up not living. And essentially, David's life descends into complete and utter chaos in this moment. David's life honestly faces what he thinks at that time is complete destruction. But why? What was it way back at the start of the story that he didn't do? He didn't guard the gate. He didn't guard the gate of his heart. You see, just before we read this passage, what happened in a story was that David had just faced an incredible victory against a mighty army. And he was on cloud nine. He was like, this is the best victory we've ever had. I am the king of kings. I am a mighty warrior. And David allowed pride to get into the gate of his heart. 
You see, it wasn't necessarily his eyes that did it. It was his heart in the first place. So that David's heart was so proudful that he didn't go back out to war where he should have been. He didn't guard the gate he should have been guarding. Instead, he stayed at home. He left the gate unguarded. He left the gate unprotected. And this is my second point this morning. When we don't guard our gate, chaos overtakes. When we don't guard the gate of our heart over time, and it might be days, it might be weeks, it might be months, honestly, our lives start to unravel. Areas of our lives, our mind, our habits, our decisions, the things, our relationships, they start to unravel. You see, in Proverbs 4, it says this, above all else, guard your heart. What it's saying is, if you are going to guard any gate in your life, if you're going to try, I'm going to try and guard the gate of my eyes and be careful what I look at. I'm going to guard my mouth, my tongue and what I say. You know, I'm not happy with that. I'm going to guard where I go. I know there's places that I go that aren't honouring to God. What the Bible is saying is, don't worry so much about those gates. Above all of those gates, guard this gate. Guard your heart. Why? Because every other gate is dependent on this gate. The heart is the gate of gates. The heart is the master key that unlocks every other thing. You see, it wasn't David's eyes that that ruled over him. It was his heart that went unprotected and sometimes we're trying to do things in our own strength like I don't want to look at that I don't want to say that I want to be careful how I interact with people don't worry about those gates it's this gate it's the heart you see in Proverbs it also says that the heart like water reflects someone's face the heart reflects someone's life You see, when you take stock of your life and look at your life and the various elements, your relationships, your family, your mental health, your mind, your mindsets, whatever it is, it all comes back to the heart, to the heart. You see, last, last, uh, I was laughing with Phil this week, last um, January, we, um, we were still, at that point, I think, yeah, we were still meeting in the warehouse and every Sunday after church, um, Phil and one other person, I think it was Dan Edward, I don't know if he's here this morning, they would come back with the van from church and they would unload all of like the sound equipment and everything from the van into our house. Lord help me. Okay, the house was in a bit. And what they would do is every Sunday they would walk in and there would be like so many layers of like different sound equipment and different things that they would be coming in and out, in and out of the front door. And as always, I was the one who was to stand at the front door and keep, keep watch, yeah? We live in Luke and like it's completely fine. But our daughter Georgia on this particular Sunday was just not having it. And she was angry, she was going crazy, what's new? And she was just like running all over the place. And I was distracted. I was distracted. And I wasn't really looking at the front door. I wasn't really guarding the front door. Dan and Phil, they bring all the stuff in, they load it all up, all's good. That Sunday, we get to Monday, it was probably Tuesday evening. I was just sitting in bed, cup of tea, ready for bed. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a shadow. A little, small, creepy shadow. I look over and there is a mouse running out of our ensuite into our carpeted bedroom. The absolute horror I have experienced in that moment was like nothing I've experienced in my life. And so me and Phil at 2am in the morning are literally there with pots and pans trying to catch a mouse that I, knowingly, I know that I had allowed it in on the Sunday because I was distracted. And we tried to close all of the inner gate, inner doors of our house. We tried to close the bathroom door, like we were to close all the doors. But little did we know that the mouse was small enough to creep underneath the small space underneath the doors. Because ultimately, the main door 
the front door was the door that I should have been guarding. Because once the mouse was in, he was going into every single room. You think the mouse would have respect not to get into our bedroom. The most, you know, the most intimate place in your life, like your bedroom, your bed. But that's exactly what happens, guys, when we don't guard our heart. When we don't protect the main gate, the big gate, the gate of the heart. You see, we then try to protect all the other gates. Oh no, there's something not right, but like I'm going to try and do this and I'll try and do this. And that's what happens as Christians. We try to do things in our own strength. And you're kind of wondering why this issue is still on, going on in my life and I'm trying to do all these little things. You're trying to close the small doors within the house. But it's the door of the heart, the gate of the heart, that is the gate that needs to be closed in the first place. You see, you guard your heart, then you guard your eyes. If you guard your heart, you guard your mouth. If you guard your heart, you guard your marriage. If you guard your heart, you guard your family. If you guard your heart, you guard your mindsets. If you guard your heart, you guard your life. Because God is always about the heart. In Matthew 22, it says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart. You see, when Matthew wrote this book and when he was writing this, the way that he wrote it implies, well, if I can love the Lord with all of my heart, then there's a possibility that I can love the Lord with just part of my heart. There's a possibility that I can give the Lord part of my life, part of my heart, but not give him all of my heart. You see, that word all literally means complete or entire. And in our lives, there's areas of our heart that we allow God to access, that we allow God to change, that we say, yeah, God, come on in here, fix this part. Can you fix my marriage, God? Can you fix the way that I speak? Can you fix my mind, God? Can you fix these areas? But ultimately, it's the heart, all of the heart that he wants. I don't know about you guys with your house or your apartment or where you live, but we actually had the worship team over last night and I know they were more than welcome to go anywhere downstairs. You can run into any room. Don't worry. Go, well, we have three rooms, let's be honest. It's not a big house. But do not go upstairs <laughs> because upstairs is where we have thrown every single piece of extra clothes. You know, you know it. Like if you have a house here, you know it. There's a room, there's a cubby, there's something where all of the extra stuff is flung upstairs when people arrive. And you're like, I remember we had, we had our team over a few weeks ago and typically on that one day, our downstairs bathroom was blocked. So people had to go upstairs. <laughs> and I remember seeing Phil running up the stairs, trying to like get all the clothes from the landing and like fling them into our bedroom and try and make upstairs look presentable. And it is funny because that's what we do as people, but it's exactly what we do in our hearts sometimes with the Lord. You know, like, God, you can have this part of my life, but I'm not allowing you into this part. Yes, God, take this. Yeah, this is the part that I want you to fix. But God, no, this part, I'm keeping this part for myself. And what this scripture says, it's the, it's the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God and then love, love with your heart. Love the neighbor as yourself and then love the Lord with all your heart. That's what he says. You see, as I come to a close and I'm nearly there, guys, you were bought with a price this morning. We spoke about the blood in that song that we sung. The price that Jesus paid for you was his blood. That means that he has and is entitled to access of every area of your heart of every area of your life. And it's not like, a, you know, a schoolmaster where it's like, I want this, I want this. His love for you wants to come in 
and wants to change and transform every area of your heart for your benefit, for your good, for you to live in complete peace, for you to live in complete joy, for you to live in complete freedom. You know, there's a, a short story that was written in 1950, and I might get Senya to come up on the keys. We're nearly there, guys. And it's a little booklet, and it's called, you might have heard of it before. It's really well known. You can access it online. It's called uh, my, Christ's Home, My Heart. My Heart, Christ's Home. And it uses a home as a metaphor for our hearts. And in this home, like Jesus comes in and, and you know, the person opens the, the front door, the front gate and welcomes him in. And Jesus comes into all the different rooms of this person's heart. And there was one specific, as I was preparing this this week, there was one specific part of this little booklet that I wanted to read out for us this morning. And Jesus decides to go into an area of this person's home, their heart, that they're kind of like, oh, don't go there. I don't want to, I don't want you to go into that part. I want to keep that gate for myself. And says this, One day I found Jesus waiting for me at the door. There was an arresting look in his eyes and he said to me as I entered, there's a peculiar odour in the house. As soon as he said those words, I knew what he was talking about. You see, there was a small hall closet up there on the landing, just a few square feet. In that closet, behind lock and key, I had one or two little personal things that I didn't want Jesus to see. I knew they were dead and rotting things and I wanted them for myself so I was afraid to admit that they were even there. I went up to Jesus and as we mounted the stairs, the odour became stronger and stronger. He pointed to the odour. I was angry. That's the only way I can put it. I had given him access to the library, the dining room, the drawing room, the workshop, every single room and now he even wanted my little two by two cubby room that was just for me. I said inwardly, this is just too much. I'm not going to give him the key. He was almost reading my thoughts and he said, if you think that I'm going to stay up here on the second floor with this odour, then you're mistaken. I'll go out onto the porch. Jesus said, I'll go out onto the porch. I saw him start to go down the stairs and my resistance collapsed. You see, when one comes to know and love Christ... The worst thing that can happen is to sense his companionship withdrawing. I had to surrender. I'll give you the key, I said sadly. But you will open up the closet and you will clean it out because I don't have the strength to do it. Just give me the key, he said. Authorize me to take care of the closet and I will. With trembling fingers, I passed the key to him. He took it, walked over to the door, opened it, entered, took out all of the horrific smelling stuff that was rotting there and threw it away. Then he cleaned the closet and painted it. And it was done in a moment's time. Oh, what victory and release to have the dead thing out of my life. Your heart is Christ's own. And the gate of your heart, what you allow in, what you allow to stay, and what you allow out matters. And he has bought you and paid for you with his blood. So he wants every access to every area of your life. You know, after David had done this, this horrible thing and his life was unraveling, he wrote a psalm, madly enough, 
He wrote Psalm 51. And the words of Psalm 51 say this. After all of this, he left a gate unguarded, life destroyed chaos. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. What he didn't say was, I will create within myself a clean heart. Because can I say this to you this morning? You don't have the strength to clean out your heart. You don't have the strength within yourself to make things right in whatever area you need to give God. It's only God who has the power to like that story, to take all of that rotting stuff out of your heart and clean out your heart. And hey, we're going to stand this morning. We're going to finish up in a moment. But I know the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to some people in this place this morning and he's identifying areas of your heart that he wants. Areas of your heart that he says, hey, that little bit of unforgiveness, I want to take that and clean it out. See that little bit of bitterness or that little bit of anger? I want to take that and I want to clean it out. See that hurt and pain that was caused to you? That's rotting right now. I want to take that out. See that frustration which comes out of the way that you speak or the way that you do things? I want to take that out. I want to clean that this morning. Thank you for listening to the Expectation Church podcast. Our vision as a church is to bring Jesus to every heart and every home. You can be a part of this vision by subscribing to this podcast, connecting with us on our social media and financially supporting this ministry. Check out our website at weareexpectation.com for more information and we pray that you have a blessed week.